We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome. It's a special edition Daily Fantasy Fix here on Rotogrinders.com. Of course, I'm Dan Bach, and uh, this is coming up on the end of the year. A lot of stuff for us to uh, think about, and uh, one of those things, of course, is going to be that top tax obligation. And of course, uh, if you're a winning player, you certainly still have to pay your fair share of taxes. So uh, we, of course, again, have partnered up with our good friends at DFS Accounting Services. Uh, you can check them out, dfsaccounting.com. Uh, and uh, Michael Fierstein joins us, the guy who actually prepares my taxes. So, uh, hey, if they're good enough for me, they should absolutely be good enough for you guys out there. And, uh, Mike, welcome back on the show. Great to have you back for another year of uh, kind of tax consulting here on RG. And uh, it's going to be an interesting year here because we're going to talk more about the specifics of, you know, the taxes once we kind of turn the calendar year and, and we get closer to uh, April. But um, this is a really unique year because I think this is the, the, the first real year, I feel, where we've got sports betting taxes as well, which is uh, a little bit different than DFS. So how are you doing, Mike? Good, good, Dan. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate the introduction. And yes, it's that time of year that you got to start thinking about taxes. Uh, it's just around the corner. And you're right. I mean, 2019 is a unique year now because of the, the, the legalization of sports gambling that's been sweeping the nation. And um, we've seen a lot of people you know, in the DFS community uh, hop, get on board with the sports betting community and they kind of co-mingle together. And the activities uh, are, are exclusive, sports betting and DFS activities. So we'll get into that uh, today. Absolutely. And um, uh, before we get into that, let's first concentrate on DFS. And yeah, again, we're going to get more into the Schedule C. Is it a business? That kind of stuff. Right. More when we, we, we you know 
get into 2020 here, but as we come closer towards the end of the year, what do DFS players, what should they be concentrating on? Um, is there anything that, you know, uh, a, a somebody who's had a huge windfall should consider doing these final couple of weeks before the end of the year? Uh, talk to me a little bit about maybe preparations that they should have from their either tax accounting or even from a playing perspective as we draw towards the end of 2019. Right, right. So for DFS, um, for DFS, there are you know two ways that you report yourself as as, as more part-time hobby or if you're a professional DFS player, uh, you do it as a business. And the IRS codes are really um, direct in regards to what you can write off and not. So if you're a part-time player, one of the things that unfortunately you're not able to reduce your income if you have a profitable year uh, by DFS losses or by any expenses. So if you're in that situation, if you find yourself that you played DFS for fun and you hit a big GPP and you got a good cash windfall, one of the things I suggest is cash flowing and putting money aside uh, to pay your taxes come April 15th. Uh, because a lot of people think that they win this $50,000 prize uh, and it's all their money. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, what I suggest people to do if you're a part-time player is to put aside around 30% to 40% in either a savings account or talk to your advisor and set up a quarterly estimated tax payment. Yeah, is there any, I mean, real quick on that front, because I think this is interesting. I mean, uh, what what uh, what's the advantage of I guess paying those the tax dollars early? Let's say I bank 100k here this weekend, or you know even retroactively. Let's say it happened in the summer, for example, and you had a hundred thousand dollar hit. Um, you know I know you can pay taxes, you can send the government money early. Is that something you recommend, right. or is it something that um, people are better off just you know keeping themselves until it's time to pay? Right, right. No, great question. Great question. No, I do recommend, uh, you know, pay, paying in an accordingly estimated tax payment when you do have such a big windfall. And the reason is the IRS is a pay-as-you-go tax system, all right? The IRS wants their money as you earn it. So if you have a big hit, if you win $100,000 uh, in July, they're going to say, hey, you, you your taxes were incurred during that time, and they're going to want a sort of percentage of that profit they want some taxes paid in um and uh what happens is a penalty comes up it's called the underpayment penalty that uh, gets ta calculated uh on your tax return when you go to file so in order to um to kind of abate this penalty and not get it you know tax professionals like to say that hey pay in uh if you have such a big windfall uh during the year so that's kind of where the estimated quarterly tax payment come in uh you, you do a quick calculation you pay your taxes and um, what that does is prevents you from any penalty uh, that may occur. Gotcha. Um, but it's not necessarily required, correct? I mean, and, and I'm not saying that in a, in a bad way. Like, you only, you still, I mean, you don't get a penalty. If I won 100K in July and mm -hmm. I don't pay until April the following year, I'm, am I actually penalized for not paying on that immediately? Or You, you, you are you are penalized for not paying enough in, enough federal withholdings in. There's a, it's what it's called, it's a safe harbor uh, election. And basically with the IRS, there are two things that you need, the IRS wants to happen, okay? The IRS says that if you 
if you um, made over $150,000, you need to pay in 110% of the prior year's taxes. So uh, let's see here. The prior year. Yeah, yeah. So there's the prior year, and then they say, or you pay in 90% of the current year of 2019. So if there's such a big, if there's such a big difference in your tax situation from 2018 to 2019, they had this secondary election, which is the 90% of um, uh, taxes paid. So by, by paying in your quarterly estimated tax payments, you uh, are on top of this kind of um, rule that the IRS wants. Okay, here, uh, here's, hit, no. here's, here's my follow-up to that is, let's say you pay into yeah. that, you know, you hit 100K on July, and then, uh, well, let's say football season doesn't go so well, and you, you give sure. back a, a lot of money. Uh, how is that rectified, you know, come April that, you know, maybe you paid too much in? Right, right, correct, and that's a good point. And how, the rec- how it's rectified is that you will get a, a refund, um, probably a substantial refund if, if the fall season was tough uh, when you file your tax return. So that's kind of the case uh, that you're saying, hey, you know, at the end of the year, instead of $100,000, I kind of I netted 50k. Then um, you might want to file your tax return sooner rather than later because you would be afforded a refund. Gotcha. Uh, for the taxes you paid in yeah, during the year. Um, all right, let's get back to uh, kind of end of the year accounting for particular people. Um, I found the best situation. I mean, obviously, they're going to send you tax documents, but last year, I don't think we got those until like March. It was a really slow right. process last mm-hmm. year, um, and, and it's always kind of good to try and do some self-reporting. Uh, I personally, I found like if you want to get a, a, a year-to-date, how did I do um, there's certainly tracking software that you can use, but for me, simply an email to FanDuel or DraftKings or Fantasy Draft support and say, hey, can I get a profit loss on the year? And they'll hand that over to you. So that's just some personal recommendation uh, in terms of trying to find that ahead of time to kind of get an idea. Um, but uh, obviously any other kind of uh, tips or advice for people, you know, as we kind of come towards the end of the year on, on DFS. Right. So if you're, you're a professional player and you could, you know, obviously you could deduct your expenses. One of the things that I would suggest and I would suggest is either a putting, you know, any expenses occurred on your credit card, uh, designate that credit card as you know, your DFS business credit card. So any subscriptions that you pay, uh, Comcast or telecommunications, if you go travel uh, to any seminars or events or, uh, you know, put that on one credit card and you start, you know, highlighting or detailing them out uh we've seen people use you know sell and um build a profit and loss for us and we use that as and we keep it for our records and that's pretty much kind of what i suggest individuals doing uh is to just start going back throughout the year and um identifying your expenses easiest way to do it is just put it in one location and that location is you know a credit card of sorts that you've designated for tfs all right, I want to talk quickly about gambling here um, on the sports betting side of things. You know, people could absolutely, you know, and should have been, you know, declaring sports betting winnings, you know, previously. Just because it wasn't necessarily a regulated business doesn't mean that it's it's not something you don't report on your taxes. But now we've got DFS companies that also service sports betting companies. 
Um, so, I mean, is this going to be a situation where um, DraftKings is going to, uh, or FanDuel are going to send like two different types of uh, 1099s at the end of the year, depending on, on you know, obviously where you live and, and, and how profitable you are? And, and is the same thresholds apply for betting as they do DFS? Because I think DFS, it's like $600 profit, I believe. Is that what the threshold is going to be to get that 1099 in sports betting as well right right and that's a great question um so for gambling they have their own set of rules and uh, their own form so one thing that individuals will receive if they're doing dfs and they're you know, gambling from FanDuel and DraftKings is that they'll get uh, a form called the w2g all right on top of their 1099 miscellaneous now there's a couple things that are different between the values that are, are written and typed on, on these forms. The 1099 miscellaneous that you get for your DFS activities is, is kind of the net result, right, of 2019, of, of where you ended up. Um, with W2G, what, what happens, those are time instances. You get, you get those processed when you hit uh, certain uh, requirements to have a W2 form process. And those requirements are... Um, a bet or winnings above $600 and times 300% time, or 300 of your um, uh, initial bet. Okay, so it's an it's, it's a and or type situation. It has to be above $600 and it has to be 300 times more than your initial bet. Um, in the sports gambling, you know, sports gambling world, you know, a lot of times you're going to see that uh, when you have huge money line um, bets that you you know you, you put on um, uh, huge underdogs or parlays, so what we're trying to do is we're reaching out to the operators to see kind of what their parameters are and, and what they're going to be sending out to uh, their players because that's still a gray area. But you will be receiving a W two G if you are um, your sports betting. So. Um... Here's a, uh, another question. A W2G, again, this is different than maybe the 1099, so I'm, I'm kind of catching yeah, up cool. here. Um, let's say I, I get one on FanDuel Sportsbook. I live in New Jersey. You know, I, I had a good year, you know, one, you know, 10K or whatever. And on DraftKings, it uh, wasn't quite as good. You know, maybe I was down on uh, for 2K. Now, I, I know in DFS, you know, that sort of... Um, Reporting, you kind of have to designate yourself as a business to be able to write off those losses a lot of times. But in right. gambling, in with the, with the with the W two G, does that still apply? Do you need to do you need to consider yourself a, a uh, I guess a betting business to be able to do that, or right. is that more allowed right. um, because of this W two setup instead of ten ninety nine? Right, right. So yeah. Those, that's a that's a difference in kind of the the reporting rules. So as, as a sport gambler, and you don't have to be a professional; you could do it part time. Um, you are allowed. The IRS allows you to write off your gambling losses up to your gambling winnings. Yeah. So if you get a W two G that shows a thousand dollars that you won, okay, you can write off a thousand dollars in gambling losses. Not not you can't write off a thousand and five or a thousand one. It has yeah. to be a thousand dollars. Now the owner is on you to re- record your losses to to have the proof of those losses uh so for a taxpayer how you do that um like you said is, is there, there's software out there or 
you know, you build an Excel file, you detail the date that you've been out or the, the, um, um, the times that you have bet, and, uh, and you, you record your losses, you keep track of your losses. I mean, any good sports you know, gambler, anyone that is betting should do that anyways just to see how you're doing if you're up and down throughout the year. So that is the difference between DFS and sports um, gambling. Now, does it apply to all gambling or just sports gambling? Like, could uh, could horse racing losses count? Could could slot yeah. machine losses count? Like, I mean, where does where does the yeah. uh, the accounting start and end on that gambling front to you know make up for your losses? Because I think it's uh, right. you know that's that's going to be something that I'm sure is is highly recommended for for people to to take that accounting because uh, it can certainly save you a lot of money potentially. Right, right, definitely. No, that's a great question. It's gambling in just general. You know, if you go to the casino and you hit a slot machine or you do well at the blackjack table or you go to sports uh, in your um, horse, you know, betting, it, it doesn't matter where the income or losses are generated. Uh, if you have $1,000 of gambling income, you could deduct $1,000 of gambling losses. The one thing that I want to tell people, and I get a lot of questions on, is that I have, you know, people come to me and say, hey, I have $40,000 in gambling losses. Can I apply it to my DFS income? And our approach is that, no, they're mutually exclusive. They're two different activities. And as you can see, Dan, that they have two different sets of rules. So, uh, yeah, to get to your question, all, any gambling income, what doesn't matter where, you know, it was generated, you could deduct your gambling losses uh, up to your gambling winnings. And uh, the IRS does not consider DFS gambling, so that does not count, like you said. So that's it's really yeah, interesting, correct. and uh, it, it's 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 absolutely fascinating um, that you know the the code yeah. is kind of written in in that regard. Um, but uh, but that's why we have people like you to help us, you know, because you don't want to pay more than you need to. Um, but you also don't want to make mistakes that are potentially going to get you penalized. So uh, highly recommend them. Yeah. You can check them out online, dfsaccounting.com. Uh, again, I've used these guys uh, for the last couple of years. Super easy to work with. Uh, secure situation, too, to kind of drop the forms that you have. And, uh, and great customer service. And we'll be talking to them a little bit after the year to, to get a little bit more into the weeds about what we can and can't write off from a betting and DFS perspective. And uh, obviously, I think this was a, a good first step for us here kind of discussing things. And, uh, and Michael, always appreciate you jumping on with us. And uh, we'll do it again. Yeah, Dan, thank you very much for having me on. Um, and I look forward to, to, to talking to you uh, in the next year. All right, this is Michael Fierstein of BFS Accounting Services. Thanks for checking us out uh, here on rotogrinders.com. Feel free to reach out to him, me, if you got any questions, and uh, we'll do this again in 2020. Till then, have yourself a great day, and we will see you.